This is Holly Baird. And I'm Joy Baird. We're from the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener Radio Show. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago Smart Talk. The, the Mike, Mike Novak, Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. According to estimates based on NASA satellite imagery, today there are somewhere around 40 million acres of lawns in the continental United States, making turf grass the single largest irrigated crop in the country. American lawns take up three times as much space as irrigated corn. Fully 20% of the land area of the states of Massachusetts and New Jersey are covered in turf grass. According to a 2015 survey, American adults collectively spend more than 2.3 billion minutes and roughly $29.1 billion on lawn care and gardening annually. The average American homeowner will spend 150 hours a year on their lawn. And while 75% of the homeowners surveyed agreed that my lawn and garden are a reflection of my personality, there is a downside. A study of emergency room incidents determined that the U.S. averages 84,944 injuries from lawn mowers annually. And the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons determined that lawnmower accidents are the number one cause of amputations among children in the United States. And the sentiments of this new anti-lawn movement might have been best expressed in a 2015 opinion piece published in the Chicago Tribune entitled, Commentary, Lawns are a soul-crushing time suck, and most of us would be better off without them. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. And by Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, USA made with a five-year warranty. Jumpstart your plants with better light. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. And ladies and genomes, here we are. It's quiet. It's quiet well, here, but we're... That's because everyone's stuck in the Shamrock Shuffle. Tra- I, I know. Hey, folks, if you're coming down to the Chicago <laughs> Flower and Garden Show today, you better be aware that the Shamrock Shuffle shuffle is is happening so but it'll be done by that point is that oh yep. okay well then we don't it'll worry about that and anyway you should be taking mass transportation you know to, exactly. to get down here that's always a good thing welcome to the mike novak show with peggy malecki we are on location i think you can see us on facebook um they're telling us that they're there on facebook i'm looking uh, at us right now see how come you can get connected and i can't no matter what i do here <laughs> on my computer i'm not connected to anything so we're gonna uh, and and that your phone won't even let me connect. I've been so, trying to do that, but so for folks who want to see what it looks like, they can go to the Mike Novak Show on Facebook, watch the show, or 1590 WCGO, 
And uh, please like, comment, and share. All right. And the, the guy who's responsible for it all is sitting right here. He rolled up in his little cart. Tony Abruscato, <laughs> who is the director of the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. Good to have you on again, Tony. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me in again. You know, Thanks for being here. It's about six hours, seven hours now, and you get to collapse in a heap, right? Uh, well, not yeah. quite. That, <laughs> not that. quite. Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh, I get to, oh, Wednesday right. afternoon. Because you've got to take to all this stuff down, You have to take it all down. Yeah. Uh, so we've only got a couple of minutes. It's here. So what what do you because we're going to have a ton of guests on the show, speakers and and we have our our, our chef from the the gourmet kitchen or uh, the gourmet garden gourmet garden, garden gourmet, gourmet. gourmet yeah have that yeah uh, we're excited. One of the things I've been trying telling everybody is you know the trend in gardening right now small space design mm-hmm. intimate nuances within planting beds and things and so coming in and spend the time to to look into the different planting beds like you can see in the jb brickworks here the way that they planted which these is this, the garden the garden we're in, we're in right now right you you look for those small planting beds with intimate nuances that are there and this is the trend that we're seeing in gardening house plants edibles as you mm-hmm. know coming through and that's what the, what we try to represent here this year and people have been well receiving of understanding that that's the trend in gardening well you know a lot of people have small spaces not everybody's got the back 40 Absolutely. that they're trying to plant and so you want to maximize what you have in your backyard especially if you live in the city or even the suburbs well and we've been finding people you know we had uh, a couple of our seminars you, as you know we have 125 educational seminars and some of them have just been on downsizing your garden because people want to enjoy the outside, <laughs> but they don't want to we're spend. Not, we're not into upsizing exactly. anymore. No, we're we? not into upsizing, and people are wanting to downsize. And so there's, you know, 20 different living spaces here, not even mm-hmm. gardens. They're living spaces, if you will. Um, and then our houseplant garden that we're sitting across from with the sculptures from the Chicago Sculpture Exhibit are really cool. And then my personal favorite, because it's something I worked on is Cheryl Sheshed. I think we talked about it on the show right. the last time. And so we have Cheryl Sheshed in the Aquascape Be Garden. How you say that. I know, I have to... <laughs> <laughs> As I become more and more tired throughout the show, I yeah. have to be careful about how I say the she, she, or Cheryl, she shed at the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. <laughs> I just get that every time. Yeah. I, I can't believe you out here. Well, All it's right. fabulous, Tony. Uh, well, yeah, thank you. Looking good. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you for letting us be here. We've got a, a great crew of guests uh, coming up, so stay tuned. And, and of course, again, the doors open at 10. Come out to the Chicago Flower and Garden Show at Navy Pier uh, in downtown Chicago. You're going to have a great time, and you get to celebrate spring. Absolutely. I can smell the hyacinths. As I can smell the, them right the here. Hyacinths yep, and we're right the tulip garden. Okay, we will be right back to Mike Novak show with Peggy Malek. This is Mike Novak. Are you ready to take your indoor gardening to the next level? You need to download the Anywhere, Anytime Garden Booklet from HappyLeafLED.com. You'll learn about lighting and troubleshooting and get advice from the pros about starting your seeds. Go to HappyLeafLED.com and click on the microphone to download the beta version. Your suggestions might be used in the final publication. HappyLeafLED.com. Your seedlings will thank you. You can enjoy fresh local food all winter long at Indoor Farmers Markets, hosted by different Chicagoland houses of worship on select Saturdays and Sundays from now through April 6th. Your purchase of sustainably produced foods helps support regional farm families. The markets are organized by Faith in Place, a nonprofit which inspires people of all faiths to care for the earth through education, connection, and advocacy. 
For a market schedule and more info, go to faithinplace.org. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing Products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. I know. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And we're just going to sit, you know, even though we're live at the Chicago Flower and Garden Show, we're going to sit back and listen to Anagata DeVita for 17 minutes uh, (laughs) while... uh, (laughs) while Dolly relaxes here. Dolly Foster is with us. Uh, She was on our show last August, as it turns out. She's a... you're one of the butterfly queens. Uh, we, I know a number of butterfly queens. Yeah, I'm not sure. How, how would you describe yourself? I call myself a monarch mama. Monarch mama. Yeah. And that's kind of what you're doing today. Yeah, you're talking yeah. about monarchs. Yeah. So I was very excited uh, to hear that you went down to Mexico over the winter, didn't you? I did. My husband and I and um, our friend Kelly went on a tour down there, and we... Toured around central Mexico, and two days we went to go see two different uh, monarch sanctuaries. It was wow. very beautiful. That's, oh, that's a bucket was, list thing. I know. It really it? was, yeah. <laughs> it was, definitely for me. And this was the year to go. Because, because the numbers are so, up. Oh, the numbers and I, are and up. And I've got and a photo right there that you took, and yes. you can see them draped from yes. the Oyamo furs. Yes. Or, or, and it yeah. truly is... Um, it is the most spectacular natural thing that I've ever seen because it, they don't care that you're there. The butterflies don't mm-hmm. care that you're there. You're just there and <laughs> That's a they good fly thing. around you. And while we were there, the weather was actually kind of warm. Um, it had been warm all winter down there, so the butterflies are very, very active. They were mating like crazy. We saw dozens Shh, of pairs. This is a family show. <laughs> we, saw, we saw lots of that. And... Um, when we were leaving, there had been an announcement that they felt that the monarchs were going to leave Mexico a little early, and they did indeed start leaving a little early. When you say and, there uh, was an announcement, it's not like they come out with a bullhorn they and, don't, into no. the area and tell you, please leave. The monarchs are about to leave the building. No, no. They, they base it on sightings that are reported mm-hmm. to Journey North. And so Journey North is a citizen oh, yeah, science right. project. And I have, yes. You know, if I could get online, I have the Journey North yes. here, but I, I can't seem to connect to anything here. Journey North is a really incredible citizen science project. Um, if you're interested in reporting monarchs that you see, milkweed that you see, chrysalids, eggs, whatever that has to do with monarchs, they want to know about it. And that is um, 
all those data points that they collect every year is how they can predict what the population is going to be like for the next year. It really does help Monarch Well, and Watch. there's there's several mm -hmm. uh, organizations that seem to all work in concert. Uh, Monarch Watch, uh, the Monarch Joint Venture. Yeah, Journey. Monarch Larval Project. Right. The, I think a, there's the Monarch Health Project. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them yeah. because, as we know, the uh, situation of the, the Monarchs, could be dire, you know. I would. I, it still I, I is. Want to, it, well, no, it is. It is. But the point I'm, I'm <laughs> making is that our understanding of the pop, monarch populations is kind of limited because we've only been following their their migration for about thirty or forty years now. Okay. Well, we we found the forty years. Yeah, we found the. Um, well, like I say we we in the monarch community. You were down there finding yeah, right yeah, forty uh, years ago when I was eight. Um, <laughs> The monarch sanctuaries were found about 40 years ago, 42 years ago, and then uh, they started monarch watch and tagging and monitoring monarchs about 26 years ago, I believe, 24, yeah. 26 years ago. And now Journey North has been in existence for, I believe, over 10. So with the combination of those two uh, organizations working together, they do get a lot of data every year that helps yeah. a lot. And, and, and the other point I was trying to make is that we have the... Western monarchs, which are west of the Rockies, which is in which are in California, we have uh, the eastern monarchs that are east of the Rockies. We have monarchs in other mm -hmm. countries and other Indeed. other continents. Yes, there's monarchs in New Zealand and Australia, Caribbean, South America. They have been seen in Spain. Occasionally, wow. a monarch will get blown across the Atlantic during the migration and end up in England. I think they've seen that once. Um, but it has to be very, very oh, special weather conditions. It has to be really special uh, conditions but for that. The, 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 we think of them as a North American species. We do, indeed. Yeah. Uh, and so we've been watching the pop. For those people who are unaware that monarchs are in trouble, what, what moon of Saturn have you been on lately? Um, but we know <laughs> that the, the population has dipped. And now the good news is the count from the winter indicates that this year, because conditions were favorable, the, they've been breeding. Yes. And, and a lot of them came back from last year. Uh, these conditions were good actually in the United States so that they were able to survive the journey and make it to Mexico. So the yes. population's up a little bit. The population is up 144%. Wow. That was an amazing yeah, but, but that's, 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 but that's this just year. for that's this year. That's relative, you know. Yeah. Right, yes, I know. It's relative it's to what it was last overall. year. Yes. It's because still it was, down over the past 40 years. Mm -hmm. of because course, we had yes. a billion monarchs in like 1997 and we're yeah. down to. Yeah couple hundred million, right? Yeah, Something 250 million, I think, this yeah. year. So, yes, this year's increase is a, is a relative thing. Um, as uh, our guru, Chip Taylor at Monarch Watch says, uh, every year, the, it is all about the spring Texas weather. What is going to happen to the monarch population for well, the not entire only that, year? Storms, yeah, storms yeah. coming out of Mexico. You know, sometimes what happens just as the monarchs are ready to leave Mexico, they hit with a storm It did happen twice, yes, yeah, that we know. It's happened yeah. recently. I mean, it's yeah. happened probably... More Hundreds than that. of times over the 10,000 years. But they didn't years. have to worry about their populations then. No, they Now didn't. we look at every little thing. And, you know, let's face it. There are a lot of conditions caused by humans. We, uh, we affect the, we've affected the climate, uh, the habitat, yeah. uh, low-grade pesticide exposure, um, um, uh, deforestation. All of that stuff is leading to the decline in the population. At yes. least we believe it is. I think you're right. I think it is correct that all of these things have a lot to do with the monarch population um, going down. But but what is most important for us as homeowners and people like me who works for a park district and has the opportunity to do public gardening, the more 
the most important thing for us is to get milkweed out there in the gardens, but to also build habitat. Build the habitat around the milkweed it is it is so vitally important. We don't just need milkweed. We don't just need, you know, nectar plants. We need nectar plants in the fall. So I would ask all the gardeners out there who are listening to please concentrate on planting fall plants this year. Mm-hmm. Plant asters, plant goldenrods, and there are goldenrods that don't get obnoxious. <laughs> There's some well behaved there in the shade. Those yes, aren't the ones in my yard. Yeah, I can right. guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, don't plant Canadian goldenrod or tall goldenrod. Well, you, you know what? Like zigzag goldenrod. Zigzag goldenrod's great. Riddles, showy. They're all well behaved. Uh, so. Mine just showed up in my backyard. And so <laughs> the, the, it's, cup yeah. plant, the cup plants brought them. It's yeah, quite right. possible, yeah. <laughs> that that between the cup plants and goldenrod, <laughs> there's no room for anybody to move in my right. backyard. Right. Uh, so, uh, you mentioned that, uh, or Peggy, I believe, did, or you did. You work for Oak Lawn Park District. I do. Tell us what you do on your day job. My day job? Uh, everything has to do with gardening. I am, of course it does. <laughs> I am the landscape horticulturist, so I'm in charge of all of the design and install and maintenance of the landscapes around the park district. I manage our community garden, which is just starting its fourth year. And I run our own private greenhouse where I grow all the vegetables for the community garden. I grow a lot of the flowers that we use for adopt a flower bed. Mm-hmm. I manage three volunteer um, groups, and one of those is our adopt a flower bed program where we have uh, up to 64 flower beds that are available for adoption every year. And so I have to provide plants for that. As a horticulturist for a suburban uh, city, uh, you, I imagine you also have to deal with lawns. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's part of the drill. And at yes. the top of the show, I had uh, the Dr. History. Uh, I found this uh, terrific, uh, I want to thank Dr. Linda Chalker-Scott from Washington State. You, you can give her a ding. I'll give her one. <laughs> and uh, she posted something the other day about Dr. History talking about history of lawns in mm-hmm, America. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and if you go to uh, our Facebook page, the Mike Novak Show, you can find that video. And it was very entertaining. It wasn't pro or against lawns. It was right. just, no, here's the facts. Yeah. Here's mm-hmm. when the lawnmower was developed. Here's the, the history of this going back. Yeah, maybe it has something to do with our cultural uh, uh, memory of the savannas and open spaces yeah. and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Uh, but it's really, really kind of cool. But the, 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 if you listened at the beginning of the show, you learned that the number one injury producing uh, machine for children is a lawnmower. Uh, more, wow, that more, amp- me. more amputations than <laughs> oh, uh, I know, and, and I thought, awful. wow, okay, that's kind of interesting. Mm. So, getting back to lawn, since you're a butterfly queen, yes. um, so how do you how do you reconcile that working, trying to get uh, more habitat for butterflies, but the fact yeah. that people and and a city needs its lawns? Yeah, park, we need lawns. Area. We need places for kids to play and roll around in, and I don't argue that, but I do think that. You know, let a little white clover in, let some violets in. Certainly not ground ivy because that's just the plant from the devil. <laughs> See, um, I don't have that issue with, with oh, uh, it's just an awful some people plant. call it creeping Charlie, yes, some people call yeah. it ground ivy. I say it's just a plant. It's just a plant. It can be, but eventually you'll have a whole lawn of it, which well, might not true. be a bad thing. So, you might yeah, you want can that. Roll in that too, and it smells nice. It's it does minty. smell nice. It's minty, it's but minty. it has little flowers. But I think um, let some of the weeds in. You know, let it be. Um, don't be too tidy with your garden. Don't be too tidy with your lawn because... And your cleanup. Yeah, with your cleanup. And and every time you lay down something on your lawn, you're you're going to be killing insects underneath well, the lawn. Well, when you say lay down something, it's, and you're talking oh, chemical. Applications, Applications, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and let's be clear, folks. 
Weed and feed means there's chemicals in it. It's not yes. benign. No. So when you're buying, unless they say organic weed and feed, which is what some people call corn gluten meal, um, but if it says weed and feed, there are chemicals in there designed to kill weeds. And that the weeds don't die because you talk mean to them. They die because of the <laughs> chemicals. Wish. Right, you wish. <laughs> uh, so uh, tell us a little bit. Uh, I've got a couple of minutes here about your talk today. So what are you going to instruct people on today? I'm going to talk today about how to build some habitat in your garden. Um, building a butterfly garden is relatively easy, and I'll talk about that. But I want to talk about how to build habitat, and I'm going to go over the monarch migration, which I think is really important for people to understand and understand where the butterflies go and when mm -hmm. they get here and things like that. And then I'm going to talk a little bit, just a little bit about raising monarchs at home, which is a, it's a fun activity for people to do if, if everybody did, you know, five butterflies, raised five caterpillars into butterflies. I think it would help the population. Um, no one has to raise hundreds. I would never encourage anyone to do that. Well, there's some but, controversy uh, over there that now. There is controversy yeah. over that, about, yeah. So probably the better idea is raise a dozen. And, yeah, and just you're a probably few. About, yeah, mm -hmm. just a few, whatever. So I, I've seen actually numbers that say probably no more than ten. I don't know. That's not hard and fast. But the idea is don't raise hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Right. Um, because there's some concern that they're genetically not as uh, vigorous as I as think it's the concern. The concern is that I have heard that concern, but I think the concern is also if you're raising hundreds of monarchs, are you doing it responsibly so that you're not killing more than half of them? You know, or or you know more well, than well, and, and, and allowing disease you, get in there. Yes. So if you have disease in your hundred, then they likely. go out into the world and they spread the disease to yes. other monarchs. Yeah. So that's that's something to be So said. raise a few, get the experience, um, see a really beautiful biologic process happen on your kitchen counter, um, enjoy it with your kids and grandkids, and let those butterflies go, and and then just continue to garden for the rest of the year. Because butterflies are free. Now, the uh, we actually have, a, a, like, one more minute. What is the difference between putting butterfly-friendly plants in your yard and creating butterfly habitat. What's the difference? Creating butterfly habitat has to do with adding in those elements from nature that are not in a conventional garden. Things like um, rocks in your garden for butterflies to bask on, puddling areas, things like that. Uh, I think one of the biggest things for providing good habitat for monarchs in your garden is to try and create, um, try and control yellow jackets, and I will talk about that during my talk. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, why are yellow jackets a problem? Yellow to, to jackets will steal caterpillars, and they eat meat, and they want to take your caterpillars into their nest and I, eat them. Bad I, I lost yellow several jacket. last year to um, yeah. some predatory wasps. Yeah. It's, it, just it, watching them go on and milk carry, and, go, whoop, whoop. and carry them away. It's the most horrific natural yeah. thing you've ever seen in your it's life. Like, no! Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I'm trying to chase after a wasp with a caterpillar in its feet. But, uh, yeah, I think controlling yellow jackets is a really big thing. And not only that, but for people also in your garden. If you want to enjoy your garden in late summer, um, doing a few things to control those. And I don't mean by using poisons. This and and not means. just butter. I mean, not just monarchs, but when you create habitat, you create habitat for other butterflies yeah. as you well. You do. You create habitat for all different kinds of species of butterfly. There's about 110 in the Chicagoland area. You're creating space for native bees. There's 400 species of native bees in the Chicagoland area, in Illinois and not Indiana. Not to mention across the country, all kinds there's of different 4, 000, native bees. There's 4,000. Yeah, there's 4,000 across, across the, the country. country. So native bees are great. They don't generally sting. They're 
they're pretty nice. They just want to be out of your way, and they just want to they want to sip nectar from your flowers, and that's that's really all they're interested in doing. Well, Dolly Foster, give us your website so folks can find out more about you. It is hortforyou.net. Well, except you have the numeral for hort, numeral for yes. letter you. U. Dot net. Dot net, and you can find out more about Dolly Foster. Now you get to calm down and get ready for your <laughs> I know, talk. I ran into this building like a I know. Crazy there's person. there's outside forces here. Thank you so there much are. for, for stopping by. It's always a pleasure to see you. All right, folks. Uh, have you got a minute for your trees? Bartlett tree experts are soil experts too. Each year, the Bartlett Research Laboratories process the results from more than 15,000 soil samples submitted by Bartlett Arbor's representatives from client properties. Before any fertilization is performed, soil samples are from the property, analyzed in the lab, and recommendations are written for clients by their laboratory scientists. Every soil in every geographic location and property is different. That means that fertilization for any location can be different. They offer more than 15 different blends of their own Boost, and it's got a little copyright there, or no, registered trademark, that's it, Boost, are fertilizers as well as custom blends for each site or even for individual plants. Their scientists have developed and implemented a system of review and delivery of soil analysis reports to clients and arborist representatives. Now, if you've got any questions about your soil, schedule a visit by one of those Bartlett Arborist representatives because when it comes to your soil, every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Yes. I'm just hearing the music in the background. Oh, okay, and which means we're going to take a little break. Yes, and then we're going to have Avani Shah on. Uh, the, right, who is a chef and uh, probably the youngest chef you've talked to uh, <laughs> this year. Okay, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki live from the Chicago Flower Garden Show. We'll be right back. More than ever, Chicagoans are looking for resources to help them lead a healthier, more sustainable lifestyle. I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach consumers that support this growing wellness market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 monthly readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us our readers are committed to improving their health, leading greener lives, and taking action. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors, nutritionists, organic products, relaxation options, fitness and yoga classes, green landscapers, energy efficiency experts, and more. Our dedicated readers pick up their free copies of Natural Awakenings each month throughout Chicago and the suburbs because they know it's our area's best source for information about healthy green living. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. And check us out at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Here is today's Saab Automotive Tech Story. I'm Nick Miles. After Ford and Volkswagen, two of the world's largest automakers, revealed a new agreement, what do we know? They will be seen to collaborate building commercial vans and pickup trucks, along with batteries at Ford's factory in Michigan. Both firms also made vague references to future collaboration on electric and autonomous vehicles. They agreed to investigate electric vehicles, EVs, and autonomous vehicles in the future. For more cool car tech, visit testmiles.com. Out here on the trail, the difference between a good time and a great time usually comes down to how dirty your Tacoma gets. So put that multi-terrain select to good use. Track down some nasty stuff and dive right in. Learn more at toyota.com slash testmiles. Oh. 
Okay. That's floral theme. There we go. The floral theme. Yeah. We got a little Grateful Dead here. It's the Mike mm-hmm. Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And, and our guest probably has no idea. Do you have any idea who the Grateful Dead are? Huh? You got to hold the mic up. Do you, have you ever heard of the Grateful Dead? No. Okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> we just had a, uh, a generation crisis right here on uh, on our very show. We're live from the Chicago Flower and Garden Show at Navy Pier in Chicago. That voice you heard there is Avani Shah. And all right, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have yes, Peggy. I was just going to say we we are broadcasting live from Garden Five. Sure. JB. You could probably read this because I can't. Okay. Can. Uh, we are in the story of family gardens designed by. Brent Shad and Vendrana. Um, <laughs> you can't read can't, it either. I can't come up with the word. So we will um, at JB Brickworks Garden, and uh, we will talk about it again a little bit after this because we've got Avani here. All right, Avani is uh, uh, okay. I have to admit something to you, Avani. Um, I had never heard of the Junior Master Chef television program uh, until I read about it when I knew you were going to be on the show. Can you explain what that is? It's a cooking show for chefs ages 8 to 14, I think. I think so, too. And Gordon Ramsay is the host, and Christina Tosi. Isn't he a mean guy? He's really nice. Oh, he's a nice guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but he, I think his, <laughs> his stage name is mean. Oh, like, oh, so that's all an act? Yeah, yeah, he has the reputation. What's your act for television? You I don't, don't know. You're just yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, so you went on 17 Junior Master Chef, and there were articles written about you uh, in the in the newspapers and everywhere. So you're you're you didn't win it, but you're kind of <laughs> famous anyway, aren't you? A little bit. <laughs> All right. Let me ask you something. Did you, did you, did your friends in school watch you on TV? Yeah, they were really supportive. All of them, and oh, they loved my cooking. And so yeah. you're a chef. And you're a junior, are you technically a junior master chef? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> so what makes a junior master chef? Do you have to pass a course or do you just be on TV? So there was audi- an audition. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we had to make any style eggs. I did scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs? Yeah, and we right. had to chop celery and measure water. <laughs> so <laughs> I love the idea for the audition. Uh, would you come in here, please, and chop some celery for us? Uh, and we'll, see, we'll see how that goes. And you know, if you didn't do it right, so obviously you did it right. I guess so. How, yeah. how do you know how to chop celery? I chop a lot of things. I make a ton of dishes. Uh, my grandfather is Indian, and he passes down amazing recipes, and mm-hmm. he teaches me how to make them. And it involves a lot of chopping of like onions and all sorts of vegetables are you really fast like when you can do those like they show you the like that can you do that depends what i'm chopping yeah okay like garlic i can do that garlic you can do that <laughs> i'm going to bring you over to my house when i'm fixing my garlic dishes and then you can you can chop those for me yeah, but but knife skills are you know really good to have and yeah that's just yeah obviously serves you well with that so you cook a lot of Indian dishes and other things, and you had a, signu- a signature dish, right? Yeah, it's a red, um, Thai red or um, chicken curry mm-hmm. with jasmine rice. That's um, I did for MasterChef. There was a, like audition like on the show. Okay. And four contestants 
It started with 40, and four contestants would make, like, chicken, because mm-hmm. that was, like, my mm-hmm. area. And I did this dish, and that's what got me a white apron. And in the top Wait, 20, it got you a white apron? Is that, like, a special award? Yeah, it's, it has the MasterChef logo and my name on it. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. and the problem with, you know what the problem is with a white apron? It's going to get messy. Exactly. Yes. Wait. Give, give this. She gets a ding. Because a she, ding? She, no way. <laughs> you got two dings now. Two dings. There you go. Uh, so, go ahead, Peg. I was going to ask you, um, but I heard that you love baking. Uh, I love baking. I've really been into sugar work lately, so like playing with hot sugar, but like not playing, but you like. mean by hot, hot <laughs> <Whatever>. sugar? <laughs> You could get hurt. You could get yeah. burned playing with hot sugar. <laughs> and, like, making cool designs mm-hmm. and experimenting. So I make a, lo- a lot of lollipops. And I, like, experiment with the flavors and textures that go inside. Uh-huh. And I love making just original, classic cakes and cupcakes. Original. Cl- now, what's a classic cupcake? Explain what a classic cupcake is. A cupcake, it doesn't matter which flavor. So, it, but that's the important part. I mean, you don't have to have any particular flavor. Yeah, but it can be any flavor. I okay. like experimenting with my flavors, and it can be a cupcake with the perfect amount of buttercream. Ooh. Buttercream okay. or Swiss meringue or French meringue. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. It's all delicious, but it has to have the perfect amount. Because uh-huh. my friends are always like, "Oh, I don't like it when there's too much frosting on my cupcake." Because ah. it like the ratio. Well, you know, I'm I'm one of those people. Yeah. I I, I think it spoils the cupcake when mm-hmm. you have too much frost. Yeah. Some yeah. people go, yeah. oh, it's all about the frosting. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it, it, see, you know, it's about the cake, isn't yeah. it? All right. So when you were on the Master Chef, uh, Christina Tosi with her milk bar and her cakes and everything, was she an inspiration to you, or did you like baking yeah. before that? Um, I I always loved baking. Okay. But. She was, like, one of my inspirations to start mm-hmm. baking more and, yeah, and experimenting with my flavors because, like, her crack pie and her cornflake cookie, that's just amazing. She's, she has, uh, Christina Tosi, who was one of the judges on the show uh, as um, of Milk Bar fame, which is a uh, restaurant, bakery, and cookbook, and she does unique combinations of ingredients all right. And, uh, All right, speaking of unique combination of ingredients, what's the weirdest thing you ever yeah. flipped to a cupcake? I don't know. I, but I. Did you ever did you ever serve a cupcake to one of your friends and they went, "Ew, what's that?" I did make a cupcake once, but that I didn't really like. It was, it was actually recently I made a blood orange cupcake. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened, but like <laughs> the batter was good because I always the batter was good because you, you always mm-hmm. you gotta lick the batter. Yeah, well, that's how. When good. it was done baking, it was not good. Uh-oh. I tried to like ratio. You know, but you're honest. This is great. You know what a cook really needs to be honest about what she's doing in the kitchen, <laughs> right? So you're here today at the Chicago <laughs> Flower and Garden Show. You're on the. The, the Garden Gourmet stage, which is a pretty fancy area, what are you going to be doing for people? I'm going to make a family vegetarian recipe, uh, blackened tofu tacos. It has blackened tofu, blackened mushrooms, blackened onions, 
but it has a really special mango avocado salsa. Okay. Ooh. And where did you get this recipe? My family always cooks it. it was, it's like one of those recipes that you cook like once a month mm-hmm. right. for the family. And I Oh, you really? So you have it that often, huh? Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> it, I just love it every month, even if the ingredients aren't in season. It's just still great. And you can always, like, substitute for in-season. In mm-hmm. what, kind yeah. what kind of ingredients would you swap out if you don't have the right ones? Like mango salsa. I, I'm, I love blood orange and mango. Blood orange, okay. Like citrus. Which was the cupcake that yeah. didn't turn yeah. out so well. Okay. Um, you can substitute for that or, like, mandarin or... I had this idea earlier, but I haven't tried it yet, like edamame even. Hmm. Oh. Be a little, yeah. little yeah, different. Yeah, now, see, yeah. she's the expert on, yeah. on the vegetarian and vegan stuff, mm-hmm. so not me, you know. So I'm, I I don't have to have meat, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, she know you, anything in that recipe that popped into your head while you were listening to it, Peggy? I just said I'm hungry. That sounds so really you're good. So you're going to wander over there and get some samples <laughs> yeah. there. Well, I had a question for Avani, though, since yeah. we are at, at the Flower and Garden Show and we're talking vegetable gardens as well as flowers. What are some of your favorite herbs and some of your favorite vegetables to cook with? So, I love sage. Okay. So, for one of my auditions, mm-hmm. I made potato pancakes with, like, That's, like, from your grandfather, wasn't it? Didn't I read that, or was that... I mean, is that a family That's recipe, the fa- the potato pancakes? No. Well, I've no? Al- okay. I've al- well, sort of. I've always liked, like, I started cooking pancakes. Uh-huh. And then... Which is a great way to start, isn't yeah, yeah. it? Because it's kind of simple. simple. It's there, yeah. And then I, w- I tried out for MasterChef, and I wanted to, like, expand mm-hmm. and experiment. So I did potato pancakes with a crispy sage chip. Uh-huh. And it was delicious, so sage is definitely one of my favorites. Okay. And I love rosemary and thyme. Mm-hmm. Parsley sage. Parsley sage. Rosemary. No, it's a song. Do you know that song? No. Oh, see, (laughs) Mom, you have to introduce her to Simon and Garfunkel, okay? (laughs) Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. Let's see, it's another song. So you don't know Simon and Garfunkel, and you don't know the Grateful Dead. I'm not sure what we're going to do here. That's okay. You don't, you don't need to know. <laughs> uh, so how, how do you explain to your friends? Because this obviously And how takes... old are you, by the way? I'm 11. Okay. And when you did the TV thing, you were eight? Is that right? Yeah. Holy smoke. Okay. But uh, you're so much wiser now yeah. and, and more sophisticated than you were then, right? Yeah. You could win it now, couldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I think you should go back. She'd win it, Mom. You gotta re. Can she re-enter? I'm not sure she could re-enter the program. All right, go ahead, Peggy. Sorry. Well, I was just, I, I was curious how you explained to your friends um, your your passion for cooking and obviously getting to know ingredients, getting to know vegetables, probably getting to know gardening somewhat. Um, it was like really long ago when I was when I told them all I was on MasterChef Junior, mm-hmm. and when I did, I it's a faint memory, but. They were so supportive. They were all, like, so supportive and, like, asking, like, can you cook something for us? But are you teaching any of them? No. What? (laughs) Because they don't want to be taught, or...? Well, I did have a friend over recently, and I was teaching her about all of my kitchen gadgets. Uh So, when you're not cooking, what do you like to do? 
I really like to dance. I do ballet, jazz, and I like a little bit of tap. Really? Yeah. I, I wish we had some music here, because I would ask you to do a little dance, maybe uh, out in front of the table here, but uh, I guess we, we might not be able to see that today. Uh, so you dance. Uh, what, uh, what do you like in school? I, my favorite subject is science, because... Mm-hmm. All right, you get dinged again, because you like science. All right. What do you like about science? I just love how I like chemistry in particular. Mm-hmm. It's just I love how you like make explosions and reactions. <laughs> ah, it's just we got so fascinating. Explosions uh, in the lab are good, or maybe not. Avani Shah, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank She's you for at having me. The Garden Gourmet later on today. I'm not exactly at three thirty. Three thirty. She'll be doing her demo. Thank you for being with us, and uh, can't wait to you know when you're really rich and famous, come back and. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policies. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. Where have all the flowers gone? Long time here, here. passing. Is that Pete Seeger? Where have yeah. all the flowers gone? Well, what do you Long know? Welcome back ago. to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're live at Where Chicago Flower and Garden Song Show, rather. <laughs> Garden song. That's it. Uh, and you know, where about? I feel like I should dig up some of turf here and, mm-hmm. and and lie in it after that song. It's it's so sad. But no, it's exciting because they're going to open the doors here in ten minutes. And at ten a.m., the folks will come rushing through. And right now, uh, we're putting out a call for William Moss, the garden boss, and. You just texted him, right? I just right? texted him. Right, so I'm hoping he shows up at any minute. And there's Tony. Uh, no, is that Tony? Nope. No, that's not Tony. Uh, but Actually, Tony's way over there. He's way over there. He's doing a TV thing. Uh, and uh, we. Uh, so you wanted to give a plug to the garden Yeah, room. so we're, we are in Garden 5, which if you saw the photos from Tuesday night, Mike was... Doing a little golf, and that's so that's uh, all part of this. That's garden. all part of this JB Brickworks. Brick I made that garden. putt, folks. I really did. The first putt I made, and then we turned the cameras on, and I could not even come close to the hole. So there you go. That's the way it works. You know, I'm not a <laughs> I'm not a money player. Don't ever. That's why I never bet on golf when I'm playing. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. So the this garden is showing uh, different different ways the family can interact in the garden. There's uh, an outdoor room. There's a fire pit. There's the uh, putting green and various uh, other water features. No, I'm not having installed in my backyard because (laughs) there's too much maintenance, uh, unless I made it AstroTurf. Uh, I I knew a guy when I was growing up in the suburbs of Detroit. Uh, In my suburb, there was a guy who had a putting green on his front yard, and it was perfect. Wow. Uh, And all I can think about is the work that went into 
keeping that thing groomed uh, and perfect. And so I, I don't advise it to anybody because I know uh, golf course supervisors, maintenance guys, and uh, mm-hmm. I know what goes behind that. Um, so while we're here, uh, it gives us a chance to let folks know that uh, we next week we've got more stuff coming up all week. Holy smoke. Tuesday and Wednesday, Peggy and I are going to be with the Bartlett Tree Expert people. In North Carolina, we're going to the labs. I am so stoked about that. That is going to be really fun. So be uh, watching Facebook for that. Yeah, we'll definitely have something about that. Uh, and then on uh, Saturday, it is the seventh annual Chicago, La- sorry, Chicago Community Gardener Association seventh annual conference, uh, gardening and adapting to a changing climate. It's going to be at the break through Family Plex, 3219 West Carroll Avenue in Chicago. Go to chicagocommunitygardens.org. This is a really great Mm -hmm. event. Uh, If you're uh, a gardener and you're just uh, getting your feet wet, um, not in the soil, I hope, because it means there's muck in your soil. But if you're just learning how to garden, it's a great way to learn from folks who, who do it every day. Mm-hmm. And we got an email or a, a Facebook notice yesterday saying some of the sessions were starting to fill up, and they suggested people register quickly. Ah, so you can go to uh, chicagocommunitygardens.org or go to Chicago Community Gardener Association on Facebook and find all that information. Then, wow, a week from today, uh, another event that we're going to be broadcasting from live, and that's on the south side of Chicago, the Wild Blossom Meadery, Winery, and Brewery, 9030 South Hermitage. That's our buddy, Audrey, Audrey Fisher, uh, who's who, who back in the past, well, and, and she still talks about this, it talks about light pollution and mm-hmm. those kinds of issues on our show, but she's also one of the folks that runs this uh, meadery and winery on the south Along side with of Greg. Chicago, uh, with her husband, Greg. And, uh, nah, we don't need to even mention him. <laughs> um, and uh, we are going to be there 9 to 11, but there's going to be a honey fun run. And it's uh, sort of, uh, you know, loosey-goosey. It's not real... Um, they they called it kind of semi-organized, I think. Yeah, and they also suggested showing up in bee costumes and in if you related. want, if you want, if you're into your bee costume, <laughs> just get your bee costume out of the closet there and and bring it with the funny the the funny hun run, the honey fun run is seven forty five to eight forty five, and it goes through Dan Ryan Woods there, um, and then at nine we do the show. There's going to be mead. There's going to be food. You can order it a la carte during the show. Uh, there's going to be uh, afterward. Well, during the show, we've got the Bartley guys that are going to be there, mm-hmm. and they're going to give Bart uh, tree care advice, and they're giving out seedlings, giving out tree seedlings. Uh, so if you come to our show, and that's free, mm-hmm. you can come to our show for free. Now, if you're going to get mead and food, you got to order that, and that, and that costs a little something. But they're going to have mead moses. Um, Boy, this is going to be very interesting. Um, and uh, then uh, we're going to have the, uh, there's a Bee Charmer Honey and Mead Tasting and Cookbook Signing afterward. Oh, wait, I almost forgot. The folks from the Cook County Forest Preserves and um, our Conservation friend, at Home. Conservation, well, from Illinois Extension mm-hmm. will be talking about conservation yeah. at home in Cook County. They'll have that information. And then there's the, uh, the, the, the honey tasting, which is at 1130. That is an event that you That's have to. That's the seed keeper gals walking oh my, by. Get over here. 
get over here, you guys. Just come on. I want you to um, grab grab come a on. microphone. Okay. The camera's behind you, so you so kind of lean on the table. Here you go. Grab a mic. Oh, okay. These are the Seed Keeper gals. <laughs> Literally snagged as they were walking in. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, let me bring that up. Now say hi. Heidi ho Hello there. Hi. Everybody, come on down to the last day of the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. It's awesome. And come see us in booth number... 331. Yay. 331. <laughs> so there we are. Uh, it, it's Carol and Carrie. And uh, how's it going this year? Really great. well, lots great. of great people. Great. Lots of great uh, use the mic. You got. You we can't... always use. We always see meet lots of wonderful people. It's yeah, old been, friends, new friends. It's been wonderful. Lots of people and fantastic. Give, give, give me give me a twenty second commercial about the Seed Keeper Company. The Seed Keeper Company is the way to go to organize and store your garden seeds. They last longer than you think, and you need one. We have tons of garden <laughs> products here for you to get ready for spring with, and you better be ready because it is here. Yeah, it yeah. is kind here. here. What's your website? Right. Time to open the booth. That's right. What's the website? Uh, www.seedkeepercompany.com. It's a beauty. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Thanks, guys, for stopping Thanks. by. Bye. All right, bye. <laughs> They're on their way to work. Uh, so anyway, so next week is the, uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to give away some tickets to the, uh, to, uh, our, we're giving away four tickets. Is it to the, the, the signing, the bee tasting, bee charmer honey bee tasting? It's to the event, yes. Because we're free, so it must be to the event. So um, we'll give away two, two and two. Uh, two and two tickets uh, to the third caller and the fifth caller at 877-711-5611. And uh, I want to give away those tickets so you can join us next week at the uh, the uh, mead tasting um, and uh, broadcast from uh, from the name of it, Peggy, I'm blanking on. It's Help the me. Wild Blossom Meadery, Thank Winery, you. and Brewery. Okay, uh, 9030 30. South Hermitage in Chicago. That's uh, next week, 9 to 11 a.m., the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And so, again, third caller, fifth caller, each get two tickets, 877-711-5611. Um, sorry about uh, this, Ellie. We're, we're, we're <laughs> sucker-punching you with uh, with this contest, uh, but I figure we've got the tickets. Let's... Let's give them away yeah. and make sure that uh, that the folks have them. So we got one minute here. All right. A little preview of hour two. Uh, go for it. We've got a Oh, and by lot. the way, I, let me mention uh, Chef Carrie Schloss will be one of the people. She's uh, written the the, mm-hmm. the Asheville. Bee Charmer Cookbook. Bee Charmer Cookbook. She and was she's on the show be, last year. Right, and she's going to be there, and she, that's part of what this meat tasting and, and honey tasting is all about. So we've got coming up real quick, um, right after the news, Brandon Losey of Ringer's Landscape Services, the ladies from Basil and Begonia, and designer um, Baylor Chapman. Uh, And uh, so we hope you stick around for that. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, live from the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. The doors are opening in a mere two minutes, so come on down to Navy Pier and, and say hi. We're like smack in the middle when you... You walk in the opening doors. We'll be back after the news. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. 
Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good tools to make Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki live. Live, live. From the Chicago Flower and Garden Show at Navy Pier. The doors have opened. People are streaming in. Uh, Sitting next to us is an old buddy of mine. Brand, because we've been on committees together, right, Brandon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old, old Mila buddies. Yeah, yeah. Mila and Mila yeah. as well. Oh my gosh! Now you're you're just going back to the the Stone Age there. Uh, the That's where Mid- it all started. It did. The Midwest Ecological Landscape Alliance uh, and Brandon Losey is here. He's a landscape designer and the sustainability. At Ringers Landscape Services, they're in the Fox River Grove area, uh, and you got a really terrific uh, exhibit here at the Flower Show. Yeah, it was. Um, this is our first time doing the show. Um, I feel like I've been living down here the past two weeks. So, um, no, it's been great. We uh, we shared our garden with um, Jeff from Illinois Water Features. So. He installed a beautiful little pond with some koi fish and a waterfall, and mm-hmm. we did a bunch of uh, Unilock hardscape um, patio. Kind of, we're trying to replicate like something reasonably sized that a client could actually imagine in their backyard. And it's um, in honor of something I did not know about, uh, yeah. and now I have to to hunt this down. Um, uh, by the way, it's Garden Seven, the Lost Words. Now, some of you might be familiar with. The Lost Words, and I'm going to read uh, from what you guys wrote about that. When the most recent edition of the Oxford Junior Dictionary, widely used in schools around the world, was published, a sharp-eyed reader soon noticed that around 40 common words concerning nature had been dropped. The words were no longer being used... Enough, but you're just breaking my heart here. I know. The words were no longer being used enough by children to merit their place in the dictionary. The list of those lost words included acorn, adder, bluebell, dandelion, fern, heron, kingfisher, newt, otter, and willow. Are you kidding me? The words taking their place, among the words taking their place, were, this is just, this is the really sad part, uh. right? Attachment, blog, broadband, bullet point, cut and paste. That's not even a word, that's a phrase. <laughs> and 
voicemail. So this is what's replacing bluebells. Right, and yeah. Otters and in dandelions. the world. And dandelions. I can't even believe dandelions aren't used. I know. And it's sad. It's really fascinating. It's, it's, it's kind of beautiful what the authors did with the concept. It's a beautifully illustrated um, mm-hmm. book. And I actually have a copy you guys should come okay. check out at our garden. But, um, yeah, so we kind of ran with that theme. Um, so we have an oak tree in our garden. We have bluebells. We have ostrich ferns. We have a wren house. We have a little placard about the heron <laughs> so you're by, like, by the water feature. So you're in your face. We're going to yeah. put all those yes. things in yeah. this garden. And re- which really like translates to what we're trying to do as a company. And I think I speak for Jeff as well. It's just sort of reconnecting um, our clients or just connecting them in the first place with their landscape and telling more of a story. So, yeah. you know, if, if you don't know what the plants are, you're not going to be able to connect with them and form that relationship. How could you not and, connect with a bluebell? I mean, yeah. it's one of the greatest plants of all. It is, yeah. Uh, even or, dandelions. Or a fern. A fern. Yeah, a fern. Well, Ferns we, are everywhere. We really have that spring sort of seasonality happening in our garden. So Christine and I from the Shed Aquarium, Christine and I, um, she helped me cut down. Was she gets a, a ding. Drop? Oh, nice. Christine gets a ding. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> Uh, but she helped me cut down some of the old foliage from, like, little blue stem okay. and some panicum northwind. And we made little bundles and put them in plaster and kind of had that, like, early spring look going. So we yeah. had a lot of fun with that. That's great. And she just yep. grows that stuff at the Shed Aquarium. Yep. And cut it down, and there it was. And there, yep. there was the material. Uh, tell us a little bit about Ringers. Um, so we're a full-service landscape contractor out of Fox River Grove, kind of on the Fox River Grove-Barrington border. Um, I think really like what summarizes our company is that we're we're trying to help families achieve a healthier and more sustainable lifestyle through landscaping. That's really I've not our, heard of having a sustainability director at one of these companies. I know because I invented it. Yeah. Did you really? <laughs> okay. Yeah, but you invented it, and then they said. You had to go to them and say, I want to do this. And they said, uh, okay. Yeah. And Eric and I, as partners, were kind of the yin and yang. Um, oh, so you went to yourself and said, can yeah. I do this? <laughs> All right. Basically. All right. <laughs> hey, I know a guy who will approve it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so really, we're, we're accomplishing that um, through, like, organic lawn care, um, use of native plants. We do a lot of rain gardens, um, trying to incorporate a lot more alternatively fueled equipment. So we have mm-hmm. a lot of electric equipment, propane mowers. That's something um, we haven't talked a lot on the show. I'll tell you what, because mm-hmm. this is such a short segment. Yeah. Why don't you come back and we'll talk about some of the equipment now that is less problematic and, and less pollution spewing. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Used in, in, in landscaping. Yeah. Uh, for folks who want to check out your services, what's the website? Uh, www.ringerslandscaping.com. Ringerslandscaping. Um, otherwise, yeah, landscaping. And then I definitely encourage... Um, for people to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, we're pretty active. It's kind of mm-hmm. the best way to stay in touch with us and kind of see on a daily basis what we're up to. So. All right. Uh, Brandon Losey, thank you yep. so much. Congratulations on the garden. We got more guests. Mike Novak Show, live from the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. Thank you. When it comes to caring for your trees, you want the best science and the best arborists. You get exactly that with Bartlett Tree Experts. For three generations, training and education have been central to the work of this family-owned company. And Bartlett is the leader in safety. Whether it's your home or your business, 
Bartlett Tree Experts uses the most effective and environmentally sensitive methods. Call for a free estimate. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Hey, this is Peggy, and I'm here to tell you about Natural Awakening Chicago Magazine, your independent go-to resource for everyday wellness. Natural Awakenings is still the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. For more than eight years, we've been helping you find ideas and resources to lead a healthier, more fulfilling, and sustainable lifestyle. Each month, we take a fresh look at nutrition, wellness, fitness, complementary medicine, personal growth, and green living. Natural Awakenings includes great articles about raising healthy kids, too. And we include lots of ideas for your home, your garden, and taking care of our planet. If you like good food, you'll love our tasty recipes and meal ideas. And check out our monthly calendar. It's full of local events to keep you inspired and connected. Natural Awakenings is available throughout the city, as well as suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Trying to figure out that song, I, 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 got, I got no clue there, Randall. What did what did you just play us in with? Dead flowers from the Stones. Oh, it's okay. Oh, okay, Stones. All right. So, did you say dead flowers? Yeah. All right. I'm not familiar with that tune. I should be. You, know, you, I, you know it. We it's just so low we can't hear it. Yeah. Okay. Through our headsets. You know the song. And there's William Moss walking past us. We'll get him back here the later. The garden bosses yep. are going by here. There's a lot of folks coming in. It's the uh, Chicago Flower and Garden Show. Folks are are wandering around, seeing things, and sitting yep. uh, in between us and around us here are two of the presenters today, Basil and Begonia. Uh, is that is that actually? Can Ms. I just... Basil and Ms. Begonia. That's right. Wait, yep. who's, which one's Basil? You? You're Elizabeth, Basil. yes, and Nicole's begonia. Okay, you got it. What's this? And and actually, their real names are uh, uh, Elizabeth and Nicole. Right. Um, and uh, it's Nicole Jeldum and Elizabeth Gazaldo. Yes, got okay. it. Okay. Uh, tell us about what is what does it mean, Basil and begonia? Who are you? What do you do? Okay. So the premise of our company is to connect people back to their spaces. So if you live in an urban space, how can we get you outside Mm -hmm. in in your environment? My end is vegetables. So I'm basil. Ah. Yeah. So oh, I see. So you've got the uh, the edibles and the ornamentals here. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Ah, and and it wouldn't work as well if you said edibles and ornamentals. It's just there's no way. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It could. Yeah. It could. It doesn't make a pretty little logo. Absolutely. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, and where do you guys operate out of? So I'm out of Naperville, um, primarily the western suburbs, but that's a little bit of everywhere. Oak Brook, we're in Downers mm-hmm. Grove, mm-hmm. and uh, and I live in Bloomington, and which is nice because it connects me to a lot of our local farmers, mm-hmm. so we can. So you're not, you, you don't really have a, a, a brick and mortar 
building. You're just a design outfit, but you work together. So mm -hmm. yep. given that you live in different areas uh, in the uh, the Chicago area, mm -hmm. uh, you are able to spread the, the wealth, so to speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say our home base is sort of our parents' house. Yes. <laughs> Being sisters. We... The basement, of That's course. Right. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if I could, I'd be living in my parents' basement right now, too. <laughs> But it's ideal. <laughs> except they're dead, so that's well, a that's, problem. That's you not know, ideal. Right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Well, you do garden in your dead neighbor's yard. That's so. true. That's true. I do garden in my dead neighbor's yard. So everything. And and we just had the 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 the, uh, the Stones dead song. So we've got everything. It's, it's, it's all connecting together. <laughs> Perfect. It's a theme segment. We've got there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else? So what if, what plants have you killed lately? Can you tell us about that? Actually, seriously, uh, I know you're designers. Yeah, yes. No, that's okay. What? Because it's part of, and and I and I and again, I'm. I don't, what do you think on that? Yeah, because they probably never kill any plants. Because you get rid of I'll lawns. let Nicole think. <laughs> One thing that comes to mind is like sometimes when you're helping your friends or your clients like grow things, like forgetting maybe what they may not know. So like mm -hmm. we planted baby onions with the anticipation that they mm -hmm. would grow, and and the client who is one of our now it, she ate them so she kind of killed them before they got big so that that's as close well, as I you, can get. you know and I, and I've had, I'll give you an example that I had that I was working in a friend's yard I did their garden for years and there was one particular spot in the yard where I had a plant die it was a shrub and I kept replacing it with other shrubs mm -hmm. and I couldn't get there all the time in fact I it sometimes would be months and I would say uh, and I'm not, I'll say Bob, because that's not his real name. Bob, you have to water this shrub. And I would come back, and the shrub would be crispy. And uh, he would say, I watered it. And i say, Bob, you did not water it. I'm looking at the shrub. Right. You did not water it. Bob, the dentist knows when you don't floss, okay? Your gardener knows when you did not water your plant. Yeah, and you probably absolutely. have similar things, right? I do. A lot of overwatering, a lot of underwatering. Um, I do a lot of site checks with new gardens. New gardens that went in last year, site checks start in May. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how everything comes back. Mm -hmm. yeah. And just the success of everything. Um, it's, I'm very passionate about making sure that people feel successful in their garden spaces. So. And that's begonia, mm -hmm. the, yes. the ornamental <laughs> side. The ornamental now, side. Now, you, you, you guys, I would imagine you combine efforts all Absolute, the time. Absolutely. absolutely. That's the mission. The mission is to inspire families to walk into their space and to see it differently than grass, foundation plantings, and a patio. How can we have families walk into their yard and experience something environmentally based with their kids? And really live in a space um, that's very important. And to pick us. onions that they haven't eaten ahead of time. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> haven't quite grown and, yet. Yeah. <laughs> now, I was reading in your bio, you, you had sent us some bio material, mm -hmm. um, that you are working with organic farms as well? We do. I do. Um, our brother works on one um, in the Bloomington area, and then we work with another, uh, that's Cook Farm, and then we work with Prairie Earth Farm, which is an organic farm in our area okay. and it's and it's great because we can connect like our farmers and the plants that we use in our vegetable gardens then come from the farms and then mm -hmm. in a sense then our, our you know we're encouraging people to be organic to, to plant yeah. organic all through the garden yeah yeah 
And we're um, we're looking at the cones we're setting up here oh. to keep the yes, camera pe- from people being. People who are watching on Facebook got some I, selfies from people walking I, by. I really don't mind if people walk in front of us. <laughs> as long as they don't just stand there in front of the camera, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. All right. Whoa. whoa. And don't bump the camera when you're doing that, Tony. Okay. And you can move that chair out of the way. If people want to go through, that's great. We're we're cool. No, no, no. We wanted. You know, we want all the activity here. We want the hubbub from the flower show. Uh, so what do you guys, you guys are doing a presentation today. We are on small space garden design. On small space garden design. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. What are you going to tell people? We're going to talk to people about looking into their space and really setting some goals and looking outside of what maybe they thought they could fit in a space and what they can fit in a space, which is a little bit of everything, we believe. Mm-hmm. In well, this day and age. Well, you know, it's a, a really good point, especially when it comes to edibles right. uh, in, in your garden. I think you could put a lot more in there than you think. Absolutely. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of the people have, have proven that over the years with books like Square Foot Gardening, Absolutely. which is the classic mm-hmm. on it. As a matter of fact, I had Mel, the late Mel Bartholomew on my show. Did you? Yeah. I, actually, amazing. it was a really good That's interview. Great. It was because he was... I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, well, he's dead. So it's more dead people. So this is <laughs> Here the we theme. Go. <laughs> the theme continues. This is great. I, and, and, and it was late in his career. And you could tell he was on autopilot. He had mm. been talking about this for 20 years mm-hmm. or 25 years or whatever. And he would launch into these speeches. And I kept throwing him off. I was like sticking a, a, a stick in the spokes. I would just, I would interrupt him. <laughs> And and throw him off, not to throw him off his game, but to get him out of the the monologue mm-hmm. right. that he was going into. Uh, and so I would ask him these weird questions, and I, his publicist afterward came up to me and said, "Wow, that was one of the best interviews I've ever seen because you know it's like you 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 kept him thinking. He was like really." really working right. to, to get the information yeah. out so you know it's one of the few times I actually kind of pat myself on the back and say, okay, <laughs> that, was, that was good and, and he was great I mean and his techniques are wonderful and that's I would imagine mm-hmm. you teach some of that too mm-hmm. don't we you we try to or like buddies like you think about even with the hold, natives hold the, hold the mic just like sorry that. There is that go. better yeah. even with like buddy planting I know Nicole does companion planting but it, it's the same with the vegetables you know like we can tuck basil underneath the tomatoes and they love it garden mm-hmm. you know kind of think about it that way what about uh ornamental friends who are the buddies in the ornamental world i have a few that i lean on quite frankly um i i love when i see like a bobo hydrangea up against the wagella I, I love contrasting colors i love mass plantings but i also love switchgrass with uh, purple cone flower i love the way that moves in the fall um i think it's really important to teach people as we're in their space which means that our jobs are very focused. Um, we try to walk people through not only the design process, but what it is that is going in their space and how they can tend to it and what benefits the pollinators and how they can, from there, have their gardens spread throughout their yard, mm-hmm. really. And reflect who they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's the amazing thing, especially when I look at Nicole's like side of it and her work is you walk into the different... Um, yards or gardens that she's designed and they look like that family yeah 
and it's it's amazing. You know, uh, something I was thinking about as I was writing the blog for this, and, and by the way, we're talking to uh, Basil and Begonia. You can go to basilandbegonia.com to find out more about their design services. Their names are really Elizabeth and Nicole, sometimes Nicole and Elizabeth. It depends <laughs> who's, who's doing what. Uh, but something that, that occurred to me, and I've been guilty of this because I have a tiny garden, and you get to feeling that if, if, if almost every gardener wants to put in as many different kinds of plants as possible mm-hmm. because you feel like, and especially if you have a small space, right. you're like, the problem with that is now you're putting in one of everything. Right. And, you know, and I think one of the, probably what you do, and maybe you don't do this, is try to encourage people to have fewer plants and right. more of them. Right. So... You know, if you have three or four masses, really mm-hmm. wonderful masses of plants, your garden's going to look better than you have one of everything throughout Absolute, the garden. Absolutely. You want that unification, so you want your eye. But it's really, the point is, how do you teach people that? <laughs> because it's so hard for them to think like that. Right. I suppose if you come in and say, I'm going to do this for you, but if you're left to your own devices like me, right. it's one of it. Well, yeah, I'm one of everything. Well, that's a good point. I, you know, sometimes when... I kind of lean that I lean them towards like a cutting garden. Then I'm, you know, I I, I pick out reliable flowers or bulbs or, mm-hmm. that we can we can do a cutting garden that's a little wild and you know has its own energy going on. But when it comes to your your scape that surrounds your sitting areas and perhaps like your vegetable gardens, they're more contained. So there's areas for crazy and wild, which I'm all about. But then there's some contained areas for the soothing component of design. <laughs> soothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I didn't realize gardens were supposed to be soothing. Yeah. All right. I've got to put that on my list. No wonder. Maybe that's where I went wrong. Uh, okay. What about uh, in the, the vegetable plantings, uh, plantings and plantings? Mm-hmm. Uh, how much design do you put into that as well? I think it's it's a matter of design-wise, um, assessing someone's yard, mm-hmm. assessing you know as far as light and things of that nature, where water is available, and then um, designing like what what the shape of that you know what lends to that space. So we've had gardens on wheels in people's driveways because they just don't have the yard space for it. We've had gardens. Wait, that, wait, wait, what do you wait, mean by gardens, gardens on, on wheels? On yeah. wheels. Yeah, we yeah. build. Wait, you, you you get a radio flyer and you exactly. put a garden. In. <laughs> build uh, cedar structures on on wheels, on casters, and on caster wheels, and and roll them around, and build where, them where they have. So basically, a raised bed on wheels. On yeah. wheels, yes. And that's where wow. you're growing the edibles. Absolutely. And the good thing about this, because I know a little bit about that, is that if you're in the suburbs or you're in the city. The sun is not always your friend. Exactly. You know, you got to find it. And right. so you can move it different times of the day into yeah. the sun. Yeah. You can move it as you need to, or if you want to use your driveway on a regular basis for other things, like you can kind of scoot it aside mm-hmm. and just try to be flexible. So it wow. works for so the family. Wow. So you do a lot of those, the, the gardens on wheels? On, a, on occasion. Gotta, really? Yeah. So what's what's where did you get that uh, impetus? Well, gardeners.com actually was the start where I was looking at um, a space where there there just really wasn't much green space, but the driveway was really, really big. And so just trying to source some different ideas, we purchased one and then for the client, and then we decided, hey, you know what, we can build some different shapes. So based on that, we were able to build like things that are personalized mm-hmm. for the client. Cool. Yeah. All right. And uh, what, when you're looking at varieties of 
uh, and I'm going to get to you in 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 a second about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, going to Elizabeth before we go to Nicole, where are you looking for your uh, fruit and vegetable varieties? Do you do you go to like the same palette? Or, you know, do you have tried and true that you love to try out on people, or are you experimenting with that? Try to go tried and true. So survey the client, like, what do you eat? Because we want it to be purposeful. Right. You know, we want them to eat what they grow. And then always try to get sneak one plant in where I'm like, I bet you'd like it. Let's just try this one. <laughs> and yeah, sometimes you're going to love okra. You're, you're going to really love it. Oh, boy, you're going to love okra. <laughs> it's delicious. And it's going to look actually, pretty, too. Actually, okra is a beautiful plant. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I, I, and it I is. say this all the time about eggplant. I... I'll grow eggplant because it's a gorgeous plant. Harvest it, eh, maybe, who knows. It's yeah. just, or give it to a friend. Give it away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and I, no offense to you people who love uh, eggplant. Okra, <laughs> 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 yeah. I'm not dissing you. Okay, and, and what about your uh, your uh, ornamental variety? <clears throat> so my palate's a little softer. Um, I do have people that want What the, do you mean by softer? Well, I tend to... Um, I, my my personal palate is calamintha, ornamental onion, um, again the wygella, switchgrass. Tough plants. They are tough plants, but then when we're talking about natives, I, I again like Elizabeth was saying, I, I try to sneak those natives in there because they're reliable. So like turtle head is mm-hmm. phenomenal. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, so there's just these little pockets. Of, I, I don't know why I don't have turtle head. I've got I a know. shady garden. I, I can't believe I, I don't have turtle. Head. I, the white turtle head and then the purple. Yeah, and the purple I, pink. I I just yeah. I believe him actually. Uh, you've just reminded me this year turtle head yeah. in the garden. A, okay. a mass plant. It's a native. It's a native and. Um, yeah, and it grows in shade. It grows in shade. I get um, in some of the gardens I put in its partial shade, which gets mm-hmm. a little bit of sun. But I always tell people you'll have a surprise come the end of summer. Exactly. You want stuff like uh, tricertus <laughs> or um, uh, what's the common name? I can't even remember. So. Tricertus. It'll come. look it up. I'll look it up. All right. Hey, listen. I want. Thank you guys for uh, being on the show. Thanks uh, for having Nicole us. Nicole Geldum, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Gazaldo. They are called Basil and Begonia. Uh, you can go to their website, basilandbegonia.com. Uh, if you live in the Chicago area, get some tips. If you don't live in the Chicago area, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> English, English toad lily. Toad, toad lily. Yeah. Thank you. Thank I you. knew it was <laughs> some sort of amphibian there. Yep. Uh, so, uh, All right. We're live at the Chicago Flower and Garden Show, the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. More guests coming up. Come on down to Navy Pier. Time to kill the vampires and phantoms. No garlic or wooden steaks necessary. In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Energy generation or power plants are one of the largest sources of pollution contributing to climate change. 5 to 20% of our home electric bill comes from vampire or phantom energy use. Most of our electronics remain on standby even if they're off. Anything that has a little light on somewhere, like a charger, is still sucking up energy. Cable boxes are among the worst offenders. There are some smart strips that help by allowing you to turn things on and off on a timer. The U.S. Department of Energy offers some tools to help you get to know more about your energy use. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and, of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. 
This is Mike Novak. Serious and even not so serious gardeners in the Chicago area know that there's a year-round resource that always comes in handy. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region, and it's packed with information about plants, indoors and out. Every issue contains insightful articles by gardening pros, fantastic photos, science, and more. With features like what to do in the garden, design tips, and Chicagoland natives, you're going to be ready to grab a trowel and dig. Even I have a column in the inside back page of every issue. It's practically fact-free, and I'm proud of it. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. Now you're talking. Now you got a real garden song there. That's that's one of my faves. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, we've got the... We might uh, have a speaker for the last we 15 the, minutes. I think it'll probably be like the last two minutes of the show. Uh, and um, uh, we're, uh, we've got the tech crew here, and we're fine. We're, we're doing great. We're, we've had some fantastic guests, and another one just rolled into her seat. Are you okay, she, Baylor? She, I'm okay. She right. made it through the airport finally and yeah. got here. Oh, did you fly in this morning? No. Luckily, I flew in Thursday night, so I've been uh, here for oh, a little bit. Okay, so you've been yeah. here, and uh, she is a Baylor Chapman. Um, she's the author of the Plant Recipe book, uh, founder of Lila B. Design, San Francisco-based green certified plant design studio, and she's got a new book. Coming out in just a few days, right? Uh, yes. You very and excited I have about it with that? Me. So it came. Oh, it's here. It's here. So are you yes. selling some here too? I hope so at the Chicago Land Magazine. Booth. Chicago Land Gardening Magazine. I write yes. for Chicago Land Gardening oh, Magazine. Great. Yeah, I'm a great a regular columnist. They've yeah. tried to get rid of me for like 17 <laughs> years and have not been successful. Uh. Um, and, uh, and so your new book is called Decorating with Plants. Yes. It's uh, it's out now. You can get it. See, here's another reason to come down yeah. to Navy Pier right now. You can get... One of the first copies. Uh, yes, because exactly. the public won't and get it until what, April 2nd? By, they say April 2nd, but I hear that maybe it's hitting bookstores, sprinkling in. So that's really good. Yeah, I'm going to ask you to hold that to your mouth a little closer. Yep, there sure, we there go. you go. And there we go. Um, so, oh, he's and we've got the tech guys looking at the out. Here's uh, we've got uh, that's probably your control out. That would probably work, I would think. We'll see if the oh, look at this. He found a cord that might actually work here. Uh, we're giving it a shot. Uh, so, Baylor, mm-hmm. tell us about your new book. Uh, yeah. You're going to be presenting on it today, I assume. I am. So, I'm presenting today at 12:15 in the room A. And I'll be talking about a kind of a combination about decorating with plants, the new book, as well as the plant recipe book, which was my mm-hmm. former book, and um, some new ideas about traveling around the world and plant projects that I've picked up from mm-hmm. Thailand or from Japan and kind of bringing them back to the U.S. All right. Uh, what do folks need to know? Uh, you know, the, the somebody's just listening yeah, to a radio yeah. show. I mean, yeah, obviously they need to get the book. And, and they okay. need to get and the book. And you're based in San Francisco. You have to, you have to <laughs> entice yeah. them to get the book. Not tell us where you went to uh, Thailand because nobody's going to Thailand. But so you need okay. to. Okay. <laughs> so uh, 
I think the book is meant to be for anybody who wants to bring a, even a little bit of green into mm -hmm. their home, and they might be too nervous to. So, and you're talking about indoor plants. Indoor, indoor plants. plants, house yes. plants. Right. So, and that's yeah. and that's that's a whole nother world. But a lot of people, I, you know, see, I consider that gardening too. Yeah, I think it is gardening. Yeah, of course. yeah. especially in the winter in Chicago and propagating and well, and yeah. keeping things alive. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yes. that's yes. so that's you're doing something yes. that has to do with living things, and it's uh, -huh. uh so uh, uh, let me tell. Okay, let me give you my okay. house as an example. Okay, let's hear about your house. Okay, let's hear about my house, which when we moved into it in 2000 was southern facing. You couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. Had a bank of six, uh, four windows on the south and two on the east. Didn't seem to make any difference. About as dark a uh, house as you could ever be in, and I don't know why. So we ended up putting a little skylight uh, there, and thank goodness for that, because mm -hmm. otherwise we, we, I wouldn't have any light in the living room. Also cold. Uh, because uh, um, You'll go bankrupt in about two months in oh. the winter. Okay? Oh. So... I got, we keep it at 63, 55 at night. Mm -hmm. I brought in, uh, and I'll give you an example. I brought in this beautiful Dracaena corn plant that yeah. people, uh, it was gorgeous. It was like six feet tall. Uh, I killed it within a couple of months because I didn't realize how cold it was and how little light there was and how um, when I was watering it, it wasn't mm. absorbing it because the energy level of the plant had go oh. down, gone down so far. Mm. You know, it just, and that's yeah. one of the things that yeah. happens when it's cold and it's dark. Right. The, the energy level of the plants go way down, mm. way down. So, if I had a, you come to me and, and, and or I come to you and I say, I got a house like this, what are you going to advise yeah. me to put in there? So what I would ask, or what I would advise you to do is, in your house, if it's really, really cold, you might want to bring in some extra lights just make sure that your lights are on. Are there new lights that you can plug into lamps that are, are meant for plants? And that might help you. You can do it in your ceiling or you can do it in a regular lamp. There are some really, really great ones out here, out there now. I would um, suggest you do that and maybe group your plants a little bit more. And keep them a little farther away from the, a window that might be chilly. Because if you're saying that your windows aren't providing a whole lot of light, mm -hmm. right. maybe you could bring them in a little bit and group them so there's more humidity. So they kind of are helping each other stay alive. Yeah. And then also um, just bring it a tad away from any drafty areas in your yeah, house. Yeah, and I try to keep things away from the drafty areas. And, and there really aren't any uh, in the living room because uh, I know what happens to plants when, okay. when you do that. And I don't have, you know, I've got... Uh, gas force heat and uh, ah, which is always tricky. Oh, oh my there it goodness. goes! Ooh, the speaker came on. <laughs> Holy smoke! Okay, is that? I didn't know what they were working on this whole time when people have been bustling about, but now I know. That's what. just what we're talking about. This gotcha. is uh, the live speaker here. There we are. Okay. Uh, the, the, so the Navy Pier Tech crew. There you go. Yeah, Thank kudos you. to the Navy Pier Tech crew. Thank, Thank you, you guys. Oscar. Appreciate it. Now, uh, yeah, put all those back. Would you wrap those cables? <laughs> back. Uh, we're, we're live. I don't have time to do that right now. Um, so, uh, so, uh, so let's get away from my horrible okay. uh, uh, situation yeah. where it's really challenging and gets talk about things that are kind of less challenging in terms of uh, putting plants in, in your house and making them look like they belong there. 
and defining that, your space. Defining your space. Well, you can do a lot of things to um, define your space, and you can even do it. You can do it visually. Mm-hmm. So when you enter your house, you're kind of setting the tone. You're leaving the outside world behind. You're coming home. Oh, you just want to say it's home. A good way to do that is add a plant. And if you have a very small space, you could just add one or two. Perhaps you could add a fragrant one. It could rotate. It doesn't need to live there forever. You could add a gardenia when they're in season or some lavender. Um, you could add cut flowers, of course. But that kind of defines your space visually and with a nice little scent, which is doing it that way. Um, if you wanted to do it in your living room, of course, you're going to have more of a statement piece. And I would choose something when you walk into your living room that you can see it and define it and kind of walk towards it. And that could be your dracaena or your mm-hmm. corn plant, mm-hmm. which is a really good one. But again, if your living room is very dark. Yeah, if your living room is still very dark. You have a similar situation. I have very dark, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Um, my, I, only, I live in an old cardboard box factory, and I only have two French doors at the end of my place. It's a small place, and it faces north. But I've had oh dear! A, yeah, <laughs> wow. No. Wow. So see, but, <laughs> but it works. You're pointing out something re- that's really interesting is that so many people have these kinds of challenging spaces. Mm-hmm. That I think more people than you would imagine because who's got that great light that you know I, I was know. on I was on a third floor Southern exposure um, uh, apartment for five years mm-hmm. and my plants were the happiest they'd ever been oh, you know yeah. and I don't have that anymore and uh, yeah. so. But you can make it work. My apartment is filled. I don't know how many. I have over a hundred. I don't know so how many have plants. You got? I've got uh, Dracaena. I do. I have this very beautiful one that's kind of a lemon lime color. Um, I have. I love mistletoe fig. Is another nice one. Ah. Um, another new one I love is a, a ficus alii or ficus um, that is. Uh, different than the fiddle leaf fig that everybody has. This was a, a elongated leaf, which is a really beautiful one. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there are many kinds of ficus. There are plants. many kinds of ficus. Yeah, I like this. People think of ficus and they think of the little. The leaf. Benhamina. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that one is a little fragile and when it moves into to different places. Ah. But I love Rex begonias too. Those are mm-hmm. my new favorite. I don't know if they're big in Chicago here. Sure, they're, people yeah. ought to grow. Oh, yeah. Begonias yeah, here. Yeah, the big painted leaf leaves are right. actually yeah. gorgeous. No, you, you, can, you can find those here yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. What so about, uh, uh, oh, what are you looking at? I was going to say, your blog, you have um, so, uh, Hoya Carnosa. Hoyas are amazing. And the one that you're looking at on the website has these fabulous crinkly leaves. But there's also different varieties with more, like, huge circles of leaves or elongated, some are variegated. And I find these pretty easy, but these do want, uh, I think, a warmer environment and definitely no drafts. Uh, explain what a Hoya plant is, by the way. Ah. It's, it's, isn't that what they call a, a wax plant? Yeah, they do. They yeah. call it a wax plant, yes. Because I've got a Hoya. And a rope plant. Uh, a rope plant, yeah, that uh, one. I've got, yeah, I've, and they're kind of indestructible. They're the leaves are very solid, which yeah. I find fascinating. <laughs> very solid. Yeah, very solid. And actually, whenever I look for them in magazines, logies or those, I always love to see the beautiful uh, flowers on them, which are incredibly fragrant. But I couldn't get mine to bloom for a, like a, long, a decade. Exactly, and I think they're always selling them for the blooms, but yeah. not everybody's getting theirs to bloom. So I think they need a little bit. I think they need a little bit more highlight and warmer temperatures, um, and they don't want to be uh, repotted. But I have been enjoying mine without a bloom, and I love them. Oh, you do. Yeah, nice. yeah, and that's lovely. However, once it started blooming, like 
three or four years ago, uh-huh. it blooms all the time. Well, what I do is I hang it indoors in the winter, and I just, you know, maintain. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then in the summer, I take it outside. You do. So you yeah. move your plants outside mm-hmm. in the I, summer. I move almost yeah. all of my plants outside in you the do. summer. Just, And what happens is... And they yeah. new growth, and they they, yeah. they luxuriate, and, and even though it's uh, on the back porch, which is a northern exposure, the shade of uh, outdoors is so much better than anything you can get in. And the humidity and everything else yeah. from the outdoors. Yeah, and then you have the bugs that are going back and forth too. Yes. So yes, yes. Yes, sir. Those away by planting thyme and what is it? Time and what to do? What? You plant two herbs with time and something else, and it keeps the bugs away. Ah, okay. Uh, I, 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 are you thinking of citronella? Okay. I have a bachelor's degree in agriculture from Illinois. I have a bachelor's degree in agriculture from University of Illinois, and I read, and of course I forgot the second, <laughs> the second herb. There's but a you t- plant time along with something and it keeps <laughs> bugs away it, you'll just look it up everybody okay. can look it so up it keeps the bugs away from your vegetables we're getting tips here from random people I walking love up it. all right Good. fantastic thank can you, you. Tell me where they're selling the i have no idea where they're we're, selling we're on the radio at the moment so we have no idea yeah all right bye <laughs> yeah you just made the radio yeah, that's right uh, WCGO 1590. Grab one of those cards on the end. All right, we're we're almost out of time here. I bet we are out of time. Okay. If folks want to go to your website. Where do they go? It's called Lila B Design. That's L I L A B as in boy Design. And my name is Baylor Chapman. And um, that website is going to be live soon. And decorating with plants. It's going to be released in April. Come to the flower show. Yes. All right, Rick DeMaio weather is coming up next. Stick around. This is Peggy Malecki. Are you ready to take your indoor gardening to the next level? Then you need to download the Anywhere, Anytime garden booklet from HappyLeafLED.com. You'll learn about lighting and troubleshooting and get advice from the pros about getting your seeds started. You'll also find recipes to enjoy the food you've grown indoors. Go to HappyLeafLED.com and click on the microphone to download the beta version. Jumpstart your seedlings with better light. HappyLeafLED.com. You can enjoy fresh local food all winter long at indoor farmers markets hosted by different Chicagoland houses of worship on select Saturdays and Sundays from now through April 6th. Your purchase of sustainably produced food helps support regional farm families. The markets are organized by Faith in Place, a nonprofit which inspires people of all faiths to care for the earth through education, connection, and advocacy. For a market schedule, go to faithinplace.org. Baylor just gave us each a copy of the book. Let's give her a ding. Thank you so much right there. Let's uh, hold it. Come here, Baylor. Okay, hold that up to the camera so people can see what the book looks like. The camera's right there. A little closer. Go closer. Go closer. There you go. Uh, somewhere around there. So folks uh, want to see, uh, get a copy of uh, Baylor Chapman's new book coming out right now. Uh, you can do that. And uh, there you go. 
Uh oh, you need a microphone. Let's the microphone. There we go. There we go. And and you'll have them here too today. So come on down to the Flower and Garden Show. Navy Pier it runs through five o'clock today. Six o'clock. Six o'clock. <laughs> That's what I five. saw. Okay. Um, so it uh, runs till they throw you out the door. Exactly. And uh, if you stick around, you can help clean up. Uh, definitely. So All right. We, we have Rick. Uh, Rick DeMaio. How you doing there, buddy? I'm doing great. I, I miss being at the Flower Rick? Garden Show. Yeah, well, you know, um, I, could, I was going to invite you. you down here. <laughs> okay, good. I was going to invite you, and then I lost track. <laughs> it's been a crazy week. We had uh, oh, the good don't food expo the last few days as well. Anyway. <laughs> 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 you would have gotten caught in the shamrock shuffle on the way down. Uh, no, no, that's because that's a little bit so, further south. That, that never bothered me. Yeah, but um, yeah, you know, I I, I kind of used to be like a, a regular at um, Navy Pier. You know, when I was working for Fox, I did live shots from Navy Pier during the summertime for oh my gosh, I think it was almost five years straight. Um, and I had I actually had my own little parking spot up on the top, which was uh, which was kind of nice. Everybody everybody knew me there. But, you know, things change, you move on, and that's okay. Uh, we just got a message. I don't know what the uh, message is. Are you handling messages there, Peggy? I saw something from Ellie. And I also saw something from Ron Calgill who wants to know where the bathrooms are. Um, so uh, we've, we've had other people. No, El- Ellie's talking to Randall about turning Rick up so we can hear him. Yeah, bring him up just a little bit. We're a little, it's a little, Rick's a little low. I'm fine. I can hear him. Uh, so listen, Rick. Um, I yeah, I, I, can hear, I can hear myself uh, fine. I've been reading. I can hear myself fine. Re- uh, <laughs> good. I'm glad. <laughs> I've been uh, posting articles about just the horrible after effects of the bomb cyclone uh, in uh, the center of the country, especially flooding in in Nebraska, mm-hmm. which has been just unbelievable. Um, and a lot of farmers are taking a terrible hit there. Um, oh yeah, and uh, yeah. it's it it was a pretty amazing event, wasn't it? Yeah, but you, let me ask you this: Do you know how much rain they actually got with the bomb cyclone? No, I do not. No. Any idea? You want to take a guess? Any idea? Oh. Um, I see. It's either going to be really high or really low, and but it, I would assume it was a lot. I'll give you four, four choices: three, six, nine, and twelve. Three, six, nine, and twelve. All right, twelve. I was going to say nine. no. Three inches. No, three inches. Really? Three inches. Yeah. So I, yeah. that's what. Yeah, I'm three inches of rain with the bomb cyclone, but this is all the flooding. Right. From yeah. The and, and, so and, and, why? Uh, the why is egg, it? Is that the fact that you had about ahead, two and a half feet of snow um, from the last three uh, three months? Um, that actually was sitting there doing nothing but waiting to melt. If you would have drilled a core into that snow, that snow actually had about three inches of water in it. Uh, in addition to that, it was very cold, so the ground was frozen. Um, so the melting snow, which melted very very rapidly due to the temperatures in the mid to upper 60s. And the fact that you had three inches rain produced the uh, incredible amount of flooding. So we talk about flooding as being not only a singular meteorological condition, but usually a bunch of different things that lead up to it. So even though we've seen the worst of the flooding 
from a standpoint of the crest of the rivers um, has already ended. That floodplain in that particular area in the Platte River and a little bit further north to the um, uh, north of Omaha, which is the Missouri River, that, that floodplain is very, very wide. So once you get those rivers to flood, it's not like it floods into a forest preserve. This floods into people's, uh, basically, their, their, their rangeland, their grassland, where you have a lot of cattle, where you have a lot of livestock, and then obviously their cropland as well. So the impact of this particular type of weather event um, is much, much more far-reaching due to the fact that it occurred um, very rapidly and also occurred in areas where people are using it uh, for their livelihood from a standpoint of, of agriculture. And most likely the effects are going to be quite damaging for at least the next month or two. And then the rainy season begins. Yeah. And that's one of the other things I heard is that on top of this, uh, there's some of the forecasters are expecting more rain this spring, so it could uh, get worse for uh, those folks mm-hmm. over there. Oh, yeah. And it's, in fact, if you remember the, the flooding that we had back in 1993 in the Midwest, which literally went on for almost three months, that was actually all preceded by very, very wet conditions in November and December. And then as you go into the wintertime, all the moisture is locked into the soil. And then we had an incredibly snowy winter. And then all of a sudden it started raining in April. But that flooding in 1993 really didn't get going until about late June. And it pretty much went on for almost six weeks. It literally rained every weekend from about the middle of April into the middle of June. And then the flooding basically took place over the course of about six weeks. So, if anything, this should be kind of a wake-up to people who live in some of these areas on what to do and what not to do. And I think one of the most revealing pictures to me, Mike and Peg, was this aerial view of some of these homes that were built probably within the last 10 years uh, in the southern areas of the Omaha area, uh, which were literally right on the river. And if you really look at that photograph... Most of these houses were literally built on top of earthen levees that were most likely put there by a developer. And I'm thinking to myself, why would you want to build in an area where you know that you're going to get some flooding, where you know that you're going to most likely get some heavy rain? And one of the elements that we always talk about, it's the fourth element that makes flooding so bad. It's the human element. It's, it's not realizing that you're building too close to a floodplain. And in addition to that... I wouldn't be surprised if some of those areas where those homes went in probably pushed some of the water back onto the farm fields. And if I'm a farmer, I'm pretty pissed off about that. Well, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's the, some and some of the train tracks have been lifted, which is, is something that nobody's thinking about. Mm-hmm. And and all uh, the stored grain and in the elevators, and, and so many calves were killed. Uh, it's just it's just a, a real tragedy out there. Okay, we need to get to a forecra- forecast here and wrap it up there, Rick. What, what have we got here? Yeah, yeah sure. No, no problem, guys. Uh, so cloudy, wet weather coming in later on this afternoon. We'll probably rain up until about eight or nine o'clock this evening. Much colder air follows uh, behind this storm system. What's interesting is the Lake Michigan water level is a foot and a half above normal. So with the persistent northeast winds and the higher lake levels, 
probably some lakeshore flooding. Uh, most of the week looks dry. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then rain comes back in the area Thursday into Friday. Could see an inch and a half by the time we get the next Saturday. Uh, wow, okay. And what, what kind of temps? Uh, temperatures this week most likely near normal. Uh, probably lower 40s. Uh, today, probably uh, upper 30s tomorrow, lower 40s on Tuesday and Wednesday, and by Thursday and Friday, back in the 50s and 60s. So temperatures are typical up and down swing, but what we're more concerned about is getting into a wet pattern, and that will happen by the end of the week, Mike and Peg. Yeah, I get it. All right, Rick DeMaio, thank you so Thanks, much. Rick. I want to thank everybody at the Chicago Flower and Garden Show, Tony Abruscato. I want to thank our crew, Ellie and Randall, for our, for handling the remote for us and every all the guests we had on the show. Uh, and next week we're live uh, from Wild Blossom Meadery and Winery on the south side. So until next time, go green or... Go home. Well, you didn't miss much.